welcome back to another toothy episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and a black beady-eyed bastard, Alex Dandino. That's right. All right, guys. Before we get attacked by the king of all animal movies today, a little bit of business, people. It's official. Your friends here on Patreon, we're asking for your support. But you know what? We're not coming hat in hand. We're coming with gifts. We yield product uh, for the support. High yield. <laughs> so that's patreon.com slash Pod. It's the absolute best way to support the show. It's the best way to make the show exactly what you want it to be, right? For as little as a dollar a month to get in, meet our friends, see what we're working on. As you climb the Highlander tier ranking system, you can pick the specific movies you even want us to talk about. We got all kinds of fun stuff in all the tiers. We're constantly working with it and figuring it out, trying to make it as amazing as possible. So you can have a voice in that too. You get a vote on what movies you want to hear in our Patreon exclusive library, which is filling up. We have quite an amount of uh, Patreon cool exclusives now. Yeah, so just a lot of good stuff over there, guys. So again, that's patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. Even a dollar a month means the world to us. Uh, so if you would be so kind, we thank you in advance. For those of you who already hook us up, you know we love you. Thank you so much also. Uh, make sure you go to YouTube, subscribe to the channel, Film Alchemist. You can see video versions of the pod there, along with some occasional other content that we do. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all the social media you're on. We're very easy to get a hold of, so reach on out. Uh, chat us up. Give us some sweet nothings. Tell us how much you appreciate that we let your kid get eaten by a shark. You know what I mean? Three out of five moms are probably like, eh. No, I'm just kidding. Amy, don't be mad at me. <laughs> All right. And most importantly, something free and easy you can do if you forgive me for that last comment. Make sure you leave a rating and review wherever you find the show. It takes only but a second of your time. It's something free and easy you can do to help shows like us uh, defeat the oppressive algorithmic dipshit mayor who's trying to keep us unsafe, keep us out in the cold or the heat, I guess. The heat. He wants us to get sunburned. With the rest of the unsafe masses, and we won't take it. Oh, right, man. Do I relate to the girl drowning in that first scene after that intro? <laughs> I bombed before, but Jesus H. No. Uh, guys, we are here this month paying homage to our fourth year of existence. We're taking it back to where it all began, right? Our first curation, Animals Attack the Pod. So we all know the classics of uh, the animal attack genre. Hell, we've covered a lot of them. Hell, we've we've done. I sound like an old Wisconsin. Hell, we've been there. You don't know. Hell, we've done it all. Yeah, I'm just plumb tired of being disrespectful to our legacy. That's all. no, guys. When you talk about when you ask anyone, animal attack movie, the movie, the king of this genre, and not only the king of the animal attack genre, but truly and honestly one of the most amazing films ever made. It's easily in the top 10 of mine, top five for sure. Maybe top 10 of almost everyone I know. Jaws. This is, uh, this was Stephen King, or Steven Spielberg's, sorry. Steven Spielberg's kicking down the fucking door and becoming the man. 
the this movie was king. a massive blockbuster hit. It's funny to watch this movie now, right? But there's hints of it throughout the film. There was a time when sharks were not omnipresent in our culture. Mm-hmm. And people, they were so mysterious in a way, right? We live in a world where Shark Week has dominated. Everyone loves it, right? Blue Planet. We get, if you on Instagram and Twitter like us, I'm sure you follow all kinds of cool animal videos. That's one of my favorite things on the internet. So sharks are not as mysterious to us. They're so omnipresent. And part of that is because of this love affair with Jaws. Jaws is one of these movies, right? And it's very core. It's just uh, guys fighting a monster movie. This movie, though, through this weird production history and the alchemy of how it all comes together perfectly, this movie, as much as almost any movie ever made, has had these massive ripple effects into our actual lives and society. I've never been in a pool or an ocean and not heard someone go, da-da. And everyone knows what the fuck you're doing. Everyone feels the fear for like half a second, right? There are people that will never be able to be in the ocean again without being afraid because of this movie. It is a genetic crust sediment layer in the history of our species. That's pretty fucking impressive for a fucking shark movie. So Alex... I know that we're not going to break any new ground here, right? This is a well-documented, beloved, dissected classic of a film. Open us up, though. What about Jaws do you just fucking love so much? I mean, for me, it's it's just it's primordial. Like, there's nothing about it that's not prevalent in any fear you might have. Like, it's fear of the unknown. It's the fear of the scene. It's the fear of... Uh, it's the fear of the chance you have to take. It's all kinds of, it's just, it is the primordial fear in general that I think was what sets it apart from all other movies. The fear of, uh, the fear of not being listened to the fear of not being heard. That's uh, chief Brody's, uh, you know, cross to bear. It's such a, again, like it's just a movie that's so perfectly encapsulates fear, but that's beyond the point for today. I'll be honest. We've, like Griff said, we, we've talked, people have talked about this movie forever. There's countless books, articles, all kinds of stuff on it. I want to talk about something a little more <laughs> personal. Because what was interesting watching this movie today, and you really, again, we've done 420 some odd episodes of this show at this point, And we've talked a lot about movies that are sort of like our imprint DNA. And I know Jaws is one of those for you. I don't think I realized until today, though, how much of the Griffey is <laughs> contained in this movie. In there, this movie? This movie is your manifesto for life. Are you saying I'm a Dreyfus? No, not even close. You are definitely not a Dreyfus. You are 100% Quint. <laughs> Is this a mustache thing? It's not a mustache thing. <laughs> what it is, though, is w- watching this movie. Here's the thing. The people of Amity are utter catastrophes of human beings. For one, I'll say this. Um, yeah. Well, they're like, all of them are terrible. Like, uh, Really so, bad. So it's uh, <laughs> modeled after like Martha's Vineyard. They shot most of this on Martha's Vineyard. It's funny. Side note, I uh, last... August, almost like I was literally six hours away from getting on a plane to fly to Martha's Vineyard to shoot for three weeks on um 
on a TV show for HBO Max with Amy Schumer. She pulled the plug six six hours before we were supposed to fly. And I was like, you suck, whatever, <laughs> fuck you. But watching Jaws, <laughs> watching Jaws and watching all of those people filming, <laughs> watching Jaws, because they filmed most of this on Martha's Vineyard, I'm like, I'm so glad we didn't make that fucking stupid TV show on Martha's Vineyard. I would have hated being there. Um, because it would have reminded me of how shitty all the people in Amity are. Um, it is a uniquely interesting thing because so Amity is this summer town. My mom's aunt uh, lived in Cape May, New Jersey. Cape May, New Jersey is a very similar type town where it's a summer town. Like between the months of like April and August, like that's where people make all their fucking money. Whoever lives there, that's where you make all your money. The The beach is beautiful, yeah. that kind of shit. So it's so important for these like summer town people. Like they're the, the tourists and then the locals hate the tourists. It's just like customary, that kind of thing. But even the locals are shitty people. Like they don't yeah. see themselves as shitty, but they don't want anything to disturb their lovely habitat of, yeah, you know, bamboozling locals, that, uh, bamboozling <laughs> visitors that, and, overpri- and overpriced uh, Twinkies and shit like that. Here's where the griffiness comes in, though, okay? These people are all exceptionally terrible. So when uh, the little boy, Alex, oddly named, uh, gets e- gets eaten by, by Jaws. Okay. The town goes in a the town's in a frenzy. They're all they're all looking for someone to blame. They're all looking for someone yeah. to get pissed off. Chief Brody, of course, is the one like he gets slapped in the face by the mom. She's like, "You knew it. You fucking knew it, and you didn't like you didn't do anything about it, all this kind of shit." Griffy, you are Quint against the world. This is this is you to a T. You hate the people that you have to be around. I've never been in a room with you. Here's. This is the first okay. ex- the first example is when they all have like the town meeting of the sh- of like what are we going to do about this shark? Yeah. This is essentially us in a movie theater on a regular basis. And Griffy <laughs> when everyone's causing problems and trying to and not paying attention to the movie, Griffy is there to scratch his fingers across the chalkboard of life and say, "Hey, hey, hey shut the fuck up. Let me watch yeah. my movie." And right? just talk about some weird shit. Let me tell you this though. <laughs> Because we're kind of bopping around a lot of scenes I want to talk about, but I like where your head's at. We are. We can talk something, about those scenes. Something so. I absolutely forgot about the film. When he scratches his nails down the board, there's this like really weird drawing of a what looks like a goblin shark, right? Yeah, yeah. And I go, did Quint draw a picture of a shark to like sitting there yeah. scribbling? So like I imagine the first fight, like, did he get there early? <laughs> Because this doesn't seem like a cool, spontaneous captain moment if he drew. But he, like, they're, like, start the meeting. And he's like, oh, Jesus, I got to go fast. That's why it's not, like, really rendered well. Sure. But I was fucking dying laughing. No, honestly, being compared to Quinn from this movie is probably the greatest compliment I've ever gotten. Although now watching it older, you're like, Quinn's got some baggage, for sure. But he is we all do. ultra cool in this movie. Yes. So he- that's what you're saying. I'm ultra cool. What I'm saying is, is that you do not. <laughs> what I'm saying is that you do not suffer fools. And if there's any movie that is ever going to imprint on you that notion, this character from this movie is one thousand percent a part of that. I will say this: there, there was something watching it today because Chief Brody kind of represents a lot of fears. I think guys our age start to have one thousand percent. I, my I, biggest I felt fear, so not in even tune the kids. 
Yeah, yeah. Not even the kids thing, because that's just a whole new level of terror every time that's I watch it. That's preternatural. That's just part of it. That's what you said. The, the fear in this movie is so deep in your soul. Mm-hmm. You almost as a defense mechanism try to like jujitsu out of it and think of something else. Sure. But I think Quint represents this this other fear that I think a lot of us have, which is as we grow up, just becoming utterly irrelevant or boring. <laughs> right? Like yeah. I watch I watch all those fucking fat yokels on the dock, right? These big fucking sweaty dudes just going out with a six pack, like, we're gonna get this fucking bitch. Right. Eight, and, guys, and eight trying- guys in a boat. Yeah, Hooper's trying to tell him something, right? Sheriff Brody's like this man of action, you know, guy trying to help out. And there's Quint just like, you know what, dude? I was this guy. I'm like this fucking awesome character. And I refuse to be deadened by this fucking world of turkey-necked motherfuckers. And I watched that today. And so there is a part of Quint where I was like, this this fear of just becoming one of those guys, right? Because he's a guy who's like, I'm a fucking shark man. Yeah. Right? Like, he doesn't even call Jaws a great white. He calls him a porky or a porkhead. What Pork. a porker. Yeah, so, like, he's just that guy. He refuses to be tamed or whittled down by the world. Right. So there's a lot of that I took in today. I was thinking this, though. I was watching the movie today. I think the opening scene of this movie might be my favorite in the history of cinema. So I put it out on Twitter, and some people brought up some really good ones. Oh, some really good ones that brought up. Right. Halloween is one of the most impactful and important for the movie it's in, right? Mm-hmm. A lot. Someone said, you know, Touch of Evil. It's got that insane, like, long one take, driving yeah. through the streets. Where that that's a great one. I don't know that it's on the level of these, right? So there's some really fucking good ones. This opener of Jaws, though, I mean, just everything, right? So just I forgot the first time we hear the music is on black with just the credits rolling. Dun, dun. Yeah. Because this is the thing, again, that music is so ubiquitous in our society. It's hard to go back and put myself in the headspace of, remember the first time I watched Jaws? Mm -hmm. Because, again, this was like one of those cable movies. So I've seen this movie probably more than any other movie ever. At least, like, chunks of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, time sitting down to watch any amount of Jaws, probably number one. Right. But that music hits over black, right? Then we do this quick you know, POV of underwater. We go out, some fucking hippies on a beach. Maybe they're not even hippies. That's just what everyone in the 70s look like is a hippie now. Whatever. Kid's like, hey, let's go fucking, you know, skinny dip and maybe bang, whatever. That, the fucking absolute horror of what that girl experiences. So I remember hearing a story even in the audition. She felt like she was going to drown. Like from like they'd yeah. make her like gargle water. Go, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I mean, but walk me through what you're feeling when you see this though, because it's it's like this really scenic, like idyllic life. We've heard the ominous yeah. music. I mean, it's when shot, she's out there. It's shot so shit. beautifully. Yeah, and then it's juxtaposed by easily like, and I'm saying this is look, we've seen some fucked up shit on this pod. Easily the most brutal two minutes of a film I've ever watched. Like, I I mean, and it's not even, it's not violence. I mean, it is, but it's not violence. It's just the visceral nature of helplessness is so terrifying. So you have oh this, God, like, yeah. you have this terror that you feel for this girl. You watching this girl get just 
yanked back and forth. You have no idea what she, what's happening underwater, too. This is the perfect example. And then on top of that, this is like the this is like the genius of Steven Spielberg. Like no one needs to be called nobody <laughs> nobody needs to be reminded of the genius of Steven Spielberg. But this is like the really I, I will thing. say this one sec before you go. It's become like a film hipster thing to like not appreciate Spielberg. It's a really popular and thing. And every you're... time I rewatch Jaws, I want to fucking smack those people in the When face. you're in That's film absurd. school, there's a time where you decide that Steven yeah. Spielberg's not like one of the top three greatest filmmakers yeah. of, all t- of all time. Oh, that, dude. That goes away almost immediately once you're out in the real world. And you're like, oh, wow, Steven Spielberg's literally one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. You can say candy, junk food, whatever. You watch this movie, holy fuck, man. Yeah. But anyways, but, yes. But this is like the really smart thing that – Spielberg decides to do at the top of the movie is because it's dark. Mm-hmm. You cannot see the color of the water changing. You can't see anything that's going on beneath. You don't know if she got bit. You don't know if she's bleeding. You don't even know. You don't know what's going on. It's the terror of the not knowing. And again, you have no idea what's happening to her other than the fact she's just being flailed around in the water. Oh my God. It's so- absolute horror. Yeah, this this is what I was talking about, and you said it earlier. This is a movie that's just about tear, period, right? All of it at once. What is so brilliant is because it is just this fucking, you know, laissez-faire, like, fucking acoustic guitars around a campfire. When she goes out there, right? So it's fucking pitch black, right? Fear of the dark. Yep. Uh, You know, she's in the water, right? You're in an alien environment, right? Fear of the unknown. We see the shot from underwater of her legs swimming, right? She's in a bikini. It gives, like, this sexual predatory vibe, right? Yeah. That just being a woman alone at night. Is she in know, a bikini? I think she, I think it might have been Is her she underwear. Just like, they just they just peeled into, like, you know. I know she's topless. Off her jeans ago. But, okay. Yeah, but so, like, even that shot is fucking powerful, right? Totally. And then, yeah, when she's thrashing, you're like, that could be Cthulhu, King Kong. Anything. Uh, You know a fucking robot, like whatever, right? Something is against her will, just fucking throwing her about like she's nothing. Um, The vastness of it, right? Just the wide open, there's no one there to help you. There's nothing that's coming, whatever it is, right? She kind of is screaming, oh, God. So then there's like a, and there's no God who will help you, right? The guy who you were going to fucking, just you know, beat it with. Goddamn beach. Yeah, he's there not helping, right? So there, there's so many fears in such a short window. But I'll tell you the two moments that fucked me up bad. Something hits her. And she like sinks on her. It's like, huh? There's this moment of confusion. This one moment where, oh my God. Before she's attacked. And I think that second would be the longest second of anyone's life. Just that, oh my fucking God. I have found myself in a place, in a situation where the worst thing of all time is going to happen to me. Whatever that is. Because you don't know. You can't see. Her getting thrashed around, whatever. When she fucking goes under, just fucking flatness. Mm-hmm. And it's just this buoy chiming. Ding, ding. We cut back to the beach. It is as if this violent, horrifying murder, this unseen menace. Right? We talked about this in Lake Placid. Whatever is under that water is such a more terrifying, hulking beast, monstrous abomination than you could ever show us, right? What we see above water... We are going to extrapolate that to the 10th power in our minds about what's doing that to her, right? So I think it's that mixed with the absolute stillness 
and the fact that the world and the universe and nature don't give a fuck that that happened to her and by nature us the audience yeah i mean i'm just saying this i mean this opener is just perfection yeah i mean again it's, it's just perfection like- it's visceral. I know a lot of people don't want to classify Jaws as a horror film, but this is just about as scary a scene as you could ever make. I mean, it's exactly what it is. Like, it's terrifying on every level. It's terrifying. There's no, there's no, there's no rationality to the fear either. Like, I think that's like the scariest thing about it is easily something that could happen. That's the scariest yeah. thing. Like, not, you know, while it's also creepy and weird, like hellraiser chucky these are things that don't necessarily happen in real life mm-hmm. you know i mean i'm sure anyone would want nipple clamps at some point in their time but you know that's their business Been but there. like this is so this is just nature nature being yeah. nature being the villain is the scariest part yeah. this is why like this is why movies about like again this is why movies like twister work and stuff like that because nature is volatile nature is primordial and there's no way to control it so mm-hmm. what you have to do is get out of the way of nature that's yeah. the move those are the movies that work yeah it's that old george carlin bit right save the planet he's like the planet will be fine yeah we're yeah. fucked right <laughs> like there there is a terror of just how big the world is right the power of nature the fact that outside of nature right just a couple miles up in the sky there's fucking vast empty nothingness right right this movie really taps into that in a level and again just to your point right the more you put a face on what the tear is by its very nature it will become slightly less scary right um because once you see it you can plan or decide whatever there's something the the less you know it inevitably has to be scarier right i know there is this whole school of you know the scariest guy is the one you think you know, but you don't know, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, that's the point, right? Ted Bundy's scary because you don't know what he's doing. You assume you know who he is, but underneath there's that deep ocean of a fucking evil. Um, but yeah, just like that opening, and then you cut to this town of just these fucking like whimsical beach people, right? Be careful, will ya? In this town? Question mark. Um, and there's that great moment. Like Brody has so many of these. Cause like I said, today I was with you, like really locking in on Brody a lot more as I age when I'm younger, I'm just kind of taking in the spectacle of the film, man. But, right. but the Brodiness of the movie, right? Him and him and Hooper are just ultra relatable now and not as much Hooper. Cause I'm not rich or genius, but right. Brody, I was like, I really feel cause just that bit when he sees that hand for the first time. And I feel like there's like 10 of these moments for him in the first half of the movie Hmm. where he is so taken aback and he's like, oh, my God, like I left New York because of the bad shit. And like, here it is. Yeah. And him just taking in the fucking. Just fucking nonchalant way that just evil is dropped on his lap. Yeah. Those old fucking white hairs. Right. Tracking him down on the ferry. Mm -hmm. The coroner. I forgot about this. The coroner said it was a shark. He took it back. He's like. We got to amend our reports. Like, right off the bat, they're just, like, corruption. Just covering the whole fucking thing up, yeah. They don't give a fuck, right? And, again, the mayor – so we'll just kind of talk about all this at once. Uh, the mayor just giving off mad Ted Cruz vibes. Yeah, a lot of Ted Cruz and the mayor of Amity, for sure. Like, I, I – and this is not to get political, man. Your, your views are your own. But I think as a country, as a species, we can all agree, Ted Cruz is the biggest cunt. Yeah. 
I think that's we can ever all agree been formed that by if our anybody species. was gonna be like, if anyone was gonna say like, hey, somehow this weird grease stain became sentient and formed multiple grease stains and turned into a person, you'd be like, oh, that's how Ted Cruz became Ted Cruz. You'd be like, yeah, that makes total sense. Like, there's no way that that wouldn't be plausible given who Ted Cruz is. Yeah. What if the semen, they got stuck in a sock of a boy whose parents were too religious and he cried and thought it was going to make him go to hell? What if that sock became a weirdly bearded senator? What if that sock Um, got thrown into, yeah, like a pool and combined with chlorine and somehow by osmosis became a person? Is that science? Are you... Are we fucking anti-chlorine because it made Ted Cruz? I'm not here to be political. I'm just saying. Ted Cruz sucks. I'm here to be political saying Ted Cruz is a piece of shit. At some point as a species, we're going to have to pay someone 10 grand to fucking track Ted Cruz down in whatever cave he dwells in and deal with this problem. And I just mean hog tag. I'm not for a fucking political. I'm just saying Ted Cruz is a giant piece of shit. So another weird thing about as the movie ends or has aged with me is the mayor becomes even more hateable than he already was. Yeah. I don't so know. So easily is. hateable, but now there's like an extra loathing. Yeah, I, have. I think because of what's going on in the world right now, <laughs> there's a level of like like the twenty twenty two of the twenty twenty two lens and in terms of what's happened in the world in the last like two weeks of our lives because uh, we're recording this June 9th. Uh, there's something about that that is, like, I don't know, today it was, like, visceral, like, God, dude, Brody, just pistol with this guy, please. Like, this is just ridiculous. Dude, how about the fucking mayor? He's got everyone on the beach, right? And I was like, you don't get more money by people swimming. They're yeah. already here. You've already made your nut, right? He tries to get when he walks up to his friend who looks like he's 80 years old. Oh, God. Why is that the guy you want in the water? (laughs) Okay, so that guy's a lackey for sure. That guy's like somehow my livelihood is at stake if I don't go in the water. The mayor fucking knows that. Sends this guy. And then the guy has such cowardice. He goes, let's go, wife and grandkids. And drags them all out into that water. And the mayor... That's one of those moments that it never becomes less nefarious to me. Yeah. He's literally walking up and down that beach and he goes, you're the one I would most want to see in a shark's belly. Like if I'm you're choosing. He's, he's just offering them up for the slaughter. As Hooper would say, hot <laughs> lunch. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking wild. But that's what. So, again, getting back to the point, man, this movie is just one where at every turn someone is facing down an incredible moment of fear right this is a really easy one right this is political cowardice totally this is the the system and the society at large bowing to the dollar at the expense of human life right even brody is caved by it in one of the most cathartic and horrible scenes of the movie is like you said when that mom smacks the fuck out of him when she yells at chief brody I mean, it's it's just fucking well, it, what's, devastating. What's annoying and what, what's terrible about it is Chief Brody is the one trying to do the right things. And the postscript of it, the follow-up is that fucking Mary being like, you know, you know, like trying to pat him on the back. Like, f- like again, I'll be like, pistol whip that guy. Like, fuck yeah. you. 
Yeah, but not only that, right? They're all doing their thing, right? He's he's just a guy in over his head. They didn't even have beach clothes signs, man. They had to go to the store and try to hand paint them. Um, but in that moment, right? The great jovial again, we're just we're we're excited because it's a party, right? There's money, there's drinking. Yeah, we'll kill some nature, right? It's fine. We'll do the fucking thing. When she walks up and just smacks him and she's just like you you fucking knew you knew and she goes and there's nothing you can do my son never comes back yeah. I, I i was like whatever you think or wherever you're at in your life that's just one of those moments right and i again i think a lot of us have been dealing with a lot of heavy shit it feels like every day of our lives for years man because honestly, even though like go back in the water, the economy depends on it. I was like, oh boy, does that not just feel like the pandemic we just got out of, right? <laughs> like, holy shit. But this moment, it, it was so simple and devastating. Because in that moment, we can all realize. And then it's really important, too, that the mayor goes, that's not true. And Brody goes, yeah, yes. it is, man. Like, I fucking blew it. Yeah. He knew and he came because he's the new guy. A, a lot of Brody's fear in this movie is he's the outsider, right? Oh, it's, so it's, it's trying to the main do... thing. It's his first summer there. He's yeah. trying to do the thing. He's like trying not to rock the boat while at the same time trying to do the right thing as, you know, the yeah. authority on the island. Right. And no one else gets smacked. Only Brody because he's the only guy who would have cared. Right. So that's why if she had done that to the mayor, he would have just fucking bullshitted his way out. Right. Yeah. Um, very much again, like the world's douchiest politician we just saw in the news, neither here nor there, but that, that scene, right. Of them all going back in the water even, or no, this is before that. Right. So they're at the beach, chief Brody's there. Like maybe it's cool. There are these great fucking mall. Like just, he is fucking, cause they did like the Frankenstein jump cut where like, they just keep getting closer to him Yeah. where you can tell the camera is moving and chaotic, but he's so fucking focused on that water. He knows it's like a jack in the box. He knows at some point a monster will arise and he's praying he's wrong, but he knows, you know. And so that push in on him, one of the most iconic shots in movie history. The, right? uh, the, the zoom, uh, the, the, let's see, what is it? It's a, it's a zoom. Yeah. The camera's moving in as the lens yeah, is zooming out. You zoom yeah. out and you dolly in. Yeah. And it just, it has this like, oh fuck, he knew, right? So we pair these two moments because that moment too is just fucking insane because he's watching this like heftier lady floating in the water. Yeah. Right? And, and again, it's it's another one of those visual moments where it's like he's not, it's not even in his mind that a child will be the victim. And then, and we just heard the mom say, all right, 10 more minutes. If she had not said that, it just sets these things as a parent. You're just like, oh my God. Like, imagine something happening and the way you would spend every moment for the rest of your life being like, what if I had just made one extra decision, whatever? Like, I didn't know. I didn't. F I mean, it's brutal because as that scene happens, right, it's kind of the first glimpse of a like shark, right? right. There's there's fucking blood everywhere and everyone's running back in. And just that mom wades out and is screaming her kids. Now. I mean. It's I don't know. I was like, again, to the people who say this isn't a horror movie, I was like, that's just about the fucking worst nightmare that a bunch of people I know would ever have. You know, um, the other thing I forgot, I always forget 
when I watch this movie is that, uh, yeah, like there's a lot of this, there's a lot of like blood gushing out of the water and that kind of thing. The one shot that threw me today was, uh, when Jaws goes into the, the cove, the actuary and 86 is that one guy and you see his leg fall to the bottom. Like, Holy shit. Like you can't put that in movies now. And this is like 1975. <laughs> like that is like a fully like gone leg. It, it was. Yeah. I mean, ugh. you, you can get away with a lot. I will say what's funny is that this is like one of those classic, like we don't need the MPAA anymore. Yeah. Cause Jaws is rated PG. Yes. Which I is mean, an absolute, I think the whole rating system is fucking stupid. Anyways, it's okay. another relic of, uh, you know, people being a little too uptight. Uh, but this is one of those, like, why do we have this thing? Because right. this movie's horrifying. I did let my four- and seven-year-old watch it, and they were pumped. They loved it. So maybe I'm the problem. I don't know. Maybe it is PG. But that scene in the cove, though, is another great example, right? So they've got the beach open. Everyone's out swimming because the old man took his, like, sacrificial grandkids out. Right? <laughs> so everyone's like... Woo, someone else is irresponsible. Let's run back out. You're like, Jesus Christ, does this yeah, seem wow. familiar just, as well? We're going for seconds, huh? All right. <laughs> yeah, and then there's just all these fucking police boats and rifles pointed at them, and they're like, that's what I want to do. I want to feel the salt water on my tits, the sun on my face, and just the sight of a rifle buried right, right on my right. fucking forehead. Yeah, just goddamn, what a summer to remember, right? And, uh, you know, there's a chopper going over. It's like, this is fucking crazy. But again the mob right we are so willing to forget and overlook right this safety in numbers against this fucking lone killing machine we right. we we lose that equation because it'll always be someone else it'll be their kid kid got fucking eaten and a day or two later they're back right we watched all these grown-ups at that town board meeting fucking furious that they would contemplate closing the beach at the murder of a teenager and then a kid and then, you know, he's like, 24 hours, cheap bros. I didn't, I didn't fucking agree to that, whatever. So the beach is open, right? He tries to puss out and send his kid over to the, the cove, the old lady boating area, right? Yeah. I thought that was a brilliant choice, right? That that's where the shark goes. Yeah, of course. I, you always I, meet your fate on the road you take to avoid it, right? Well, and I think the thing that I like, what I like is the after effect. So Brody's kid goes into shock. But okay, I but love- wait, what do you, what do you think? happens to those fucking kids that had the shark fin oh i mean they probably went to juvenile hall or is this honestly, the 70s like oh you scamps <laughs> i mean i think it's the 70s like they definitely went to jail for like a day and then their parents came and like bailed them out for like i mean that hours. old guy might have been dead of a heart attack right yeah the shark gets a guy not only that one of the funny things about that scene is spielberg again just really wants to illustrate how horrible everyone on this island is yes there is not one but if i remember right three shots of grown men just doing offensive lineman drills on kids and rafts just fucking you know, just explode up, up into the chest yeah. and one of them not only does the last old guy who does it not only does he flip the kids off the raft in what looks like knee high of water proceeds to then steal their raft to try to get out of the water faster. <laughs> I was dying at how many dudes were just taking out children. And I was like, honestly? It was a real George Costanza vibe. Yeah. Oh, it was fucking hilarious. But I, I was like, again, we're all that bad. And then you just watch this desensitized crowd as this one lady's like, 
shark in the cove, shark in the pond. And everyone's like, ah, fuck off here. And then we just see this massive fucking fin, man. Yeah. Um, It's just brutally effective. And it, it's it's weird because, again, I think we talked about this too, is that it the runtime is deceptive, right? Because I feel like this movie doesn't have that moment where you're like, I get it. Get to the next shark attack. Because everywhere you turn is a moment of fucking fear, right? Whether it's a husband and yeah. wife or We're it's never, just nonstop. There's, like, never a feeling of safety. Like, nothing. Yeah. Like, there's never a moment where you're like, well, things will be okay. Like, mm. not until – not even at the very end. Like, there's just never a moment of, like, pure safety in the movie. And I think that's what leads, like – like when they when they're at the hospital, they take the kid in because he's in shock, and the mayor still is like, "All right, well, we can do uh, August." It's like, do, well, what? Yeah. The, the well, they tried over. they they tried to humanize him because he's smoking and going. My kids were on that beach too. Yeah, and I'm like, no, nah, sorry, dude. Yeah. Like, well, you can already imagine the next day he's like, "That's how I'll get out of it." I said my kids were also endangered by my stupidity, and then it won't be like, right. I'm an executioner. I'm one of you guys. Right. Um, just. Again, mm-hmm. just the fucking vibes off this guy is so they but yeah. So then we get to meet the Griffey of this film, the real, the real, <laughs> the real, the real meeting. Because this is uh, this is absolutely who you would be if you lived in Amity. You would be this. There's a psychotic... chance that like I never met Amy. Yeah. Uh, kept making some of the lifestyle choices I used to be really into, and just like. Oh, a boat's going to be my house now. Like, there's a real chance yeah. I could have been. <laughs> there's a chance where, like, you're, like, a boathouse guy with, yeah. you know, just the jaws of all kinds of fish lining around. And, yeah. you know. And, you know, but see here, like, there's all these little affectations, though, of Quint's personality in the movie that, like, for instance, you and I both like doing this is, like, purposely mispronouncing words. Uh, yeah, it's really a hobby of mine. It's I love like that a, a lot. I love doing it because it fucks with people constantly, <laughs> and they could just they just assume you don't know how to say the word. I've been corrected. Yeah. I'm like, I know how to say the word, but yeah. like, I'm aware when when he's on the when he's talking <laughs> his wife's their their marriage their demise. I'm like, that's a Griffey thing. Griffey would absolutely <laughs> say that. I'd say that like that. Yeah, like, maybe that just, is where I got that. There's a lot of these like little affectations and little ticks that are very much just screwed. But overall, for me, the reason Quint is so quintessentially Griff. Oh, I like it. Is because the solitude of not going it alone, because he knows he can't do it alone, but the solitude of knowing that he has to finish it. That's like, that to me is, that to me is essentially what you, what you are. Yeah. <laughs> I am a pretty stubborn, like, when I get set in my ways, it's going. I think like I'll say absolutely this about... destroy the radio to prove a point. <laughs> oh, you meant it in, like, the bad Oh, I thought you were like, you're a real no, go-getter. No, 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 no. no, good and bad. I would also strand us out there to prove a point. I'll say this, though, right? Watching it with Quinn today, of course, he's just, like, this cool fucking old salty dog, right? Yeah. There was some extra in this to me today that like i really latched on to right his hatred the this the bits that really got me right clearly them sharing war stories in the uss indianapolis i mean that's sure. that's an that all-timer yeah. as wonderful Absolutely. as they and then they're show me the way to go home that that whole scene is just 
miraculous is the only word I can use. Like, I just watch that. And I'm like, holy fuck. That is like the fucking highest level spell in movie making, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you the beat that got me today, though, because he's going full fucking Ahab. He's been up drinking now for at least like because he's crushing. There's that great beat where he drinks the beer and crushes, and then Hooper crushes little water cup. Yeah. Um, so this guy's just been day drinking on a boat. Looks already leathery and dehydrated, right? They go into the night and they're like, let's not sleep and prepare or do sciencey stuff. Let's just, you know, fucking get it. We're going to get hammered again. Oh, we're getting night attacks. So they're just like doing everything very drunk and on no sleep. Right. So he goes out. They're trying. The fish is fucking up their boat. He's fucking flooring. Engine explodes, right? Yeah. He smashes the fucking radio, and there's just this thing, right? This thing that he keeps doing. No fish can go under with three. Not with three, they Not can with three. I don't know why it's like the narrator from SpongeBob, but that's close I get, right? Mr. Krabs. Um, but he's just like, not with three. And there's this fucking great moment, great fucking moment, where he sees him go under with three, and we're just tight on Quint's face, right? Tight. And he goes under in his, like, flooded boat. Right where the engine's destroyed, and he reaches his hand around the corner, and his hand lands on, and then his eyes land on a life vest. And we just heard, I've never put a life. The scariest moments of my life were with that thing on, waiting for rescue. And in that moment, right, this is something that never really affected me until this very viewing. Maybe I was just dense or naive. I was just looking at him as a cool guy. In that moment, the next thing we see is him coming out. <laughs> You ever do this? You get way too drunk. You do some shit. You send some texts you don't want. So the next time you see someone, you're like, hey, can we just like not talk about it? Can we just yep. ignore it and move Absolutely. on? Very deep in the ocean where it belongs, right? Davy Jones is fucking a uh, locker of fucking terrible drunk decisions. And he comes out and it's it's this real fucking moment of character for this guy. He asks Cooper, hey, what do you do with this thing? This fucking stabbing pole. And it's the first time he's right. I'm the captain. I'm the mate. I do everything. In this moment, he fucking looks around at the carnage that his fucking cartoonish lifestyle has wrought upon him. Another thing I feel painfully familiar with. Uh, we don't need to go there. Keep that down in the ocean. As I said. But this this cartoonish mindset and way of life, right? This, this half-ass Ahab, right? This yeah. Coors Light Ahab that he's become. Right. And he, he asks hooper for help and that that moment never hit me in the gut the way it did paired with that life vest shot because they do these wonderful shots before of him singing he's out on the thing with the fucking you know rope gun yeah there's that great shot at the top when he's in the crow's nest but he's all silhouette right mm -hmm. and he's telling brody to you know get on the chum bucket right Right. They do the same shot later where again he's like in the front of the boat and he's all silhouetted it's almost as if he's not a real person until later in the movie when he sees that he can't do it alone. Like, stop being this character. I don't know. I found a lot more in Quint today uh, to love, man. Because this is a guy that is fucking traumatized. Yeah. That house is not a fucking museum of his awesomeness. It's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. A man who watched this horrible USS Indianapolis event now lives in a fucking room that has a couple hundred shark jaws. That's yeah. not sexy. That's not something you want to do your decor no. with. He's not trying to get laid with that. He's just living his life. Like, he's constantly reliving fear in the worst yeah. moment a person could imagine, man. 
I don't know. What did you make of Quint this time? I mean, he is cool, and yes, he's got some similar Venn diagram. <laughs> I mean, that was a big part of it, but I mean, for me in this viewing, particularly Quint is this. Yeah, Quint's and Ahab. Like that's I think is the most. That's probably like. I've always kind of thought of him that way. I'm not sure it's necessarily changed this time, but you do feel this certain kinship with somebody who wants to, it's not even like, I feel like maybe this time it was almost, it's less about like conquering and more like about facing down that fear because like there, I forgot how just the things that happen. So when jaw, when they're singing in jaws is, trying to sabotage the boat Mm -hmm. he's so calm when the fire gets lit like the like the lamp falls over and lights a fire and calmly is like mr brody will you put the fire out like Mm -hmm. it's this like it's this moment and i've always been kind of curious about it but this time watching him like oh he cares enough he doesn't care about anything else like Mm -hmm. now that the ship like the he knows the ship's fucked for sure. But now that the ship is fucked, he doesn't give a shit about anything else besides getting that shark. That's all that matters. Like right. in that moment when he hears like, Oh, the shark's coming to trip coming to like, when he hears the boat started and feels the boat starting right, here's the thing splintering, the water's creeping in. Now it's like, everyone's playing for keeps. It's like, fine. If this is how we're going to do this, that's fine. I don't yeah. care about anything else though, which is, which to me today watching him like smash the radio to sabotage it. That to me almost was the rationalization like, this isn't like, Oh, I don't want anyone else to catch the shark. This is, it's now personal. It's not a see, thing. Yeah. Where- I, I, I see that somewhat too. Right. Because I think his whole persona, right. Is I'm the guy that fucking gets sharks. I kill them. Right. I do it with the old ways. Right. There's a lot of this version of him. I thought I saw. Right. And there, there is something about the way Jaws attacks, right? The way he keeps hitting that same spot on the boat is not how sharks move through the water. We now know because we've seen fucking 500 episodes of Shark Week shows, whatever. Right. There, He can't go under with three barrels, right? Oh, he's a smart fish, right? But whatever, right? There, There is a supernatural element in the audience's mind and his, right? Also because of the way we don't see Bruce that often. Right. Because, you know, notoriously malfunction constantly. Yes. Which is one of the great serendipitous events in movie history. Like, this movie just doesn't work with ten times more shark the way it works right now. Yeah. Because, again, we see just brilliant ideas, right? Guys trying to catch it with a pot roast, and we see a dock swimming at a guy. Holy fuck, that's double scary. What is yeah. pulling that dock? We see those barrels flying around, right? By the end, when the shark jumps out, call me a sucker. I love Rubber Shark Bruce. I think the shark in this movie is really I cool. I think it's awesome. But because the movie is fucking just dominated me for two hours, I'm willing to do that part too. Right. But so with Quint, right? There, there, You can see him breaking as he sees this supernatural shark that he hasn't laid eyes on either. There is a a personal fear with him, right? Is that he spent his whole life as I'm the guy who's going to conquer sharks. As many sharks as soldiers went down that night, right? And now he's meeting this, oh my God, there, there's a shark I can't get. 
there's a shark I can't beat, right? There's a demon inside of him he'll never escape and beat. There's a real personal affect to it. And I think when he sees it, when those three barrels go under, and now he's like, oh, my God. Like, I can't outrun nature or fear or what's haunting me. That's when he asks for help. Right. Uh, Because, again, Brody and, and Hooper get a lot of moments of just being lovable. Like, Hooper is the guy who knows stuff and no one will listen to. Right. Like, one of the best scenes is when he's explaining the sharks to the mayor. And the mayor's like, you'd love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name in National Geographic. And Richard Dreyfuss just, <laughs> and just starts laughing at he's how insane He's such a little prick. Is. I love it. It's so, but I'm like, isn't that the world we live in again? Where people are like, hey, here's a fact. We don't have all the facts, but here's a pretty good one. And we can use this as a place to start our debate. And someone else will go, no, nah, I'm doing my own research, dude. I don't, but, and it's just like, yeah, sorry what, to read what that. can you do? Yeah. What can you do but laugh? So he's he's already a lovable guy, right? Mm-hmm. Chief Brody is where we get that real Spielberg magic, right? Right. That scene of the kid mimicking him, right? I was like, that is one of those big fucking movie about all of your fucking fears being addressed, right? Yeah. Bring it down, compress it so much, so personal. That you just get this diamond, right? That kid and him mimicking. And you're like, this is why we have the power to try to go out on the ocean when we're afraid. Right. This is why we fight monsters we can't see. Right. This is why we applaud heroes of bravery. Because someday we hope that we will do that for someone we love. Totally. And that Spielberg always has these great little family and character moments. This is one of my favorites of his career. But when when you see stuff like that and Chief Brody's out on that boat, you're very worried for him. You want him to be okay. I never really felt that way with Quint until today, man, honestly. Like, I, I saw, like, a little bit of the the softer parts of our hardened sea dog. I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting. But, like, there was a real, a like, bit, but man who never, never got over it thing, yeah, right? Absolutely. It's- I really, I really loved it. I mean, every time I watch this movie, I love, but I love when I find little new wrinkles. It's yeah. one of the nice things. I don't know how many of our listeners are older than us or younger than us, but it's kind of one of the cool, magical things about movies, right? Is how they'll change with you as you age. Yeah. And it's just, it's really fun to rewatch something you love and have seen a hundred times, but find something new that you can only now see because you're at a certain place in your life. And I had that experience today. Yeah. Um, Walk me through Hooper. What I mean, what's there to say? He's a so uh... Dreyfus is great. This is the thing about this movie that I think is the best, right? Besides everything, um, I think these characters are such fucking magic when they all get on the boat together. Yeah. I mean, to me, what what makes... about Hooper's character and Dreyfus's performance was really working for you so well? I mean, to me, what makes Hooper a unique character is that he in any other instance this is a character who like stands down regularly like oh he's like the sheepish guy who just knows a lot what i love about hooper is that he will state his case he will make the point that he's trying to make and not ask for anyone else's opinion i think that's what that's what works about the dynamic is like once they're on the boat because like if this the three of these guys on the boat don't work the whole movie falls apart but yeah. because you have 
you have Brody who's super stoic, who's just trying to figure out like he's trying to figure out how to save people. That is like all Roy Scheider just so good. And like it's this is the the ultra version of what he was great at. It's a key casting too, because to that point, Roy Schneider was just like he did New York cop movies. That was what he was known for. So casting him in that way is really important. It's really it's very key to making this movie work as the work the way it works. So he's this stoic person just trying to get through this, trying to figure out how to save his family, how to save his save his town, save this new town that he's responsible for. Hooper is there because he's an inquisitive mind because he's curious, but he also like, I love where he's, <laughs> I love when he like argues with who, uh, whoever he has to talk to about not going to Australia. Why the hell would I go to Australia? And I got a great white right here. Like the, the scene for me with him, that's so funny and lovable is he watches close up Brody get smacked in the face Yep, and watches Brody accept responsibility. And he even says that later, right? When I leave tomorrow, you'll be the only sane man. So I think he sees someone he can relate to. Yeah. He shows up with the two bottles of wine, and they had the little laugh, like, how was your day, right? He eats his food. It's really, you know, he pours the wine into his beer glass. He goes, I want to let that breathe. Then he does, like, the small glass for them. He's just got this fucking beer glass full of wine. And you're like, they are already just have this great yeah. chemistry, right? These two then, guys in the insane asylum, like, finding solace in each and other. And then you throw in Quint, who is – and Quint's trying to do this alpha male thing, like, for most of it. I think this is the really – this is the key thing is, like, Quint is trying to alpha male his way into being, you know, the captain as he is. And what's great about Hooper and the way it's written and the way that Hooper's character exists in the movie is that he's not – he you perceive him as someone who's a pushover, but he's so capable on his own that the begrudging respect, like it's almost like we all are Quint and the begrudging respect that Quint has to have for him Mm -hmm. just sort of oozes out onto the audience. We're like, wow, we're all like really, he's not just some fucking rich guy. Like it's not just a, it's not a Hector Seer situation where he's just some fucking sweet poon hound who's riding Hooper actually knows his shit, right? Yeah. Hooper is very capable, and I think that's what's great about that dynamic is almost almost like it is just this begrudging. It, it stops being begrudging at one point. It's just pure respect, and I think that's the thing that makes him an effective character in this movie is it's not a pushover. No one's a pushover on the boat. Like all of the, You have three strong personalities on this boat to make this movie work. Well, also the fact, like, when he gets in the fucking shark cage and he's like, I ain't got no spit. Yeah. He's fucking scared. And, like, just the idea that he stayed and he's going to bat for this town of fucking rubes, this turkey-necked mob of (laughs) monsters. Yes. Because it's the right thing to do. This is the skill and what he brings to the world, right? Right. That's just lovable, man, that... Like, imagine being a scientist over the last couple of years and being like, you know what? I'll keep trying to fight to save humanity. Like, they seem like they deserve it. <laughs> right. I, I was just like, I yeah. It. I don't know. I, I Again, I think that's the real magic is when these three guys, like that, again, that scene where they're doing, like, the wounds. and It's just fucking magical. But, you know, you know the, the thing today I was fucking, like, just floored by in this movie? Because um, I know they say... It's this old cliche in Hollywood, right? That if you don't notice the editing, it's really good editing. 
the editing in this film is unfucking believable. And I used to work in post a little bit. I am by no means an expert on the art of editing. What I noticed, though, is when they're on that boat, that little ass boat, the way they build the the tension and the mm-hmm. movement and the 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 way the camera moves and flows, yeah, it's just exciting and dynamic. I I love the way this fucking film is put together, yeah, on a a technical level because it sets this fucking groundwork for just this magical John Williams score, right? So when they're fighting the shark, right, the beast of the movie. I love the choice that John William makes to do this like fucking whimsical jaunty adventure music, right? Yeah. What yep. do you what do you, walk me through anything that leapt out to you this mix of cinematography and editing and music. I feel like this phase is a weird blip in the movie, but it's it's so awesome. Is where it starts to almost turn into just these guys talking and right. it's I mean, it's very adventurous more than, you know. I mean, it's shot know, almost like it, you think about it's funny because you think about show like TV shows that are on now that are basically trying to do Jaws. If there was a TV show like Dudley's Catch, and a lot of the way that the framing works in Jaws, particularly, is very documentary. Like it's very reactionary. Like we're trying to like it's set up and everything like that, but it feels very in the moment. It feels very alive. And I, yeah, like good editing supposed to, that's sort of a misnomer. Like to me, when movies are edited really well, like exceptionally well, it's not that like, it's not that it's drawing attention to itself. It's that if you're looking for it, you can draw attention to it and say like, that's what, that's what really great editing is, especially in movie like Jaws is like, oh, if I choose to do so, I can pay attention to this aspect of this movie, and it'll be absolutely wonderful. It just it fucking flows so it, effortlessly. Yeah. I mean, again, like this, I think above this, possibly beyond any other movie we've ever done on this show, is truly the alchemy of a film. Like mm-hmm. all of these pieces come together in such a way that works so well. Like I actually think this is the thing that struck me about John Williams' score this time is the places they choose not to have score. That is like, cause to me, that is like the really hard part about filmmaking is where, where do you, where do you let a moment breathe? And like that to me, like the quiet more than anything scares, scares the shit out of me, especially oh, in a yeah. movie like that. Well, like, imagine that shark cage scene, right? It's coming right at him. And then it swims by, right? right. You get this fucking awesome shot. Look at the behemoth. It goes deadly silent. And we know that fucking shark's coming back. Absolutely. They let the shark hit the cage before the music starts back up. And I was like, most people would be like, a, yeah, like a stinger. But they let the weight of the shark and the moment, because they know what they built. Mm-hmm. hit first they don't I mean need these to are cheapen it with a loud sound right these are like the first this is like a movie like one of the first movies that i remember seeing with like i think probably what a prototype for a jump scare would be and not having an audio stinger for it is it's terrifying it's like beyond shocking in the moment <laughs> again like it's and yeah, I mean, well, it's like here's of- a really interesting one, right? They show us the buffet where all the the families are going back out, right. whatever, right? Or I can't remember if it was right before the kid gets eaten, right? Mm-hmm. There is this 
tension built with the editing of Chief Brody watching people swim, right? His tension is fucking pumping us up. Yeah. So by the time we go underwater and you hear the... It's like a fucking sledgehammer in your soul. Yeah. The scene work? You're, we, we are so full of anxiety because of it. But again, we're not running that score constantly. Right. I mean, the scene work in this movie is so, like, I really do, like, the, the even flow of the camera moving and those kinds of things, like, that's what makes it real. That's what makes it feel like we're seeing a slice of life type thing. And mm. that slice of life being so violated by violence. Yeah. Now, see, this is a, a distinction I would make, right, in my mind. Like, when I watch, you know, it's the invisible hand thing, right? When I watch a Hitchcock movie, I know I'm – the hand is not invisible, right? It feels very much like I'm watching someone move things around to tell me a story. Right. You can see the staging. You can see the movie making. But it's just the techniques are so powerfully done that the effect is great, and you love that, right? I feel like this movie operates the way the best Hitchcock movies do. Mm -hmm. The difference is I don't think Hitchcock ever got anything on film that captures humanity like this. No, I mean the real human warmth, right? He was a kind of cold director. At well, times. Hitchcock was so protracted in a lot of those ways. Like the way he yeah. made movies was very specific and very singular. It's why yeah. many people credit him as one of the first people, one of the first directors uh, to give credence to the auteur theory, like fucking auteurs. It's so specific. It's such a specific vibe and it's such a specific um, sort of melody for a movie, you know, Jaws. And again, like it's unlike any other Spielberg movie. I think that's just like a really important thing to distinguish is like, while Spielberg doesn't have a style quote unquote, he knows how to make a movie. His style is storytelling. And I think that's like yeah. what makes Jaws so powerful yeah. as a film is Spielberg as a director doesn't need to have a style or the way he shoots things or anything like that. What he needs, what he knows is how to tell a story and how to tell a story based on one human emotion singularly. Like Jurassic Park, for all its terror and awesomeness and cool, what that movie is about is wonder and spectacle that's what that movie's about is to believe what you're seeing like all these all the movies that he has made in his career are about one singular thing whether one singular thing within the genre he's playing with and jaws is about fear first and foremost yeah. and every single thing about that movie credits fear it's the editing it's the music it's the cast it's the way things are shot like everything on the boat that's shot the way it's shot is it's it's all on purpose i think that's what makes it's what makes jaws one of the greatest movies ever made man like there's nothing yeah. that's accidental but it feels like that sometimes yeah it's very on purpose it's well well thought out and meticulous and but again it's it's that perfect blend of meticulous filmmaking and just very naturalistic acting, right? Yep. So it's this perfect fucking sweet spot. But yeah, I mean, if I was to boil this movie down, right, this this movie's thesis is you're going to need a bigger boat. No matter who you are or where you are, what challenges you're facing down, you're never going to have a big enough boat for the thing that you're fucking terrified of. 
Agreed. And I think it's something that deep down in our very fucking soul, we all know, right? We all fucking know. We've all been the parent who knows there's bad things in the world, watching our kid sitting on his birthday gift boat, right? Maybe not as fucking rich and waspy as that. But watching our kids sit on that boat, just tied to the dock, should be safe. Oh. But that one little thought of like, holy fuck, there's a whole fucking world out there, man. Yep. And, and again, you know, we've all been, no one's listening to us. We know what's happening. No one cares, right? Am I in a town of fucking lunatics? Um, Yeah. We're, we're just, none of us ever once in our life are going to have a big enough boat. And. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if any of this is instructive or interesting to people because it's so, so covered, right? I think and it's, it is. it's so Look, prolific of a What a we're saying movie. is that this movie has a singular experience that you will follow. Yeah. And everybody knows that. But what maybe people but maybe people don't know is you don't know which character. It depends on what time, what, where you are at in your life. Yeah. Which of these three men you are going to glob on to? As your avatar for dealing with the fact that you don't have a big enough boat. To I'm Quint, and you're the mayor. No. <laughs> How dare you? We both know I'm not the mayor. Alex just that, constantly you, replies to my just, text saying That means you just news. called me Ted Cruz. That's very rude. I take uh, a lot of offense to that. All right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I have to apologize. <laughs> that one you need to apologize for. That's true. That's the meanest I'll thing I've ever said to is, anyone in my life. This is what... This is what it is. You are Quint, and I am Brody. Land Quint. I I am, you are Land Quint, and I am your Brody and Hooper on this boat making our you, way out to sea. You as a Hooper, I could buy that. I could buy that. I no, think I'm that, just, hey, man, I'll, I'll tell you this. How many fucking movies could you have? I know people say, I've seen that a hundred times. No, you haven't. I would, I would be shocked to find out that there are very many people in the world that have seen any movie a hundred times like come on <laughs> as an audience member come the fuck on that's 200 plus hours of whatever i feel like i may have watched pieces of jaws a hundred times sure. like turned it on and caught 30 minutes whatever mm -hmm. whatever the full number of time i've spent with jaws is it's enormous and i don't know if there are very many movies they can stand the test of you watching it that many times and still be filled with wonder. Still find new things. I'll never forget this. My Nana was like a massive movie lover, right? And I'm pretty sure I saw Jaws with her the first time. My Nana was a stay-at-home psychic. She lived in a trailer, just chain-smoked, and took calls and red tarot and all that shit, right? And the whole wall of her trailer, right, from the back of the trailer all the way to where the kitchen broke off, was just one long wall just covered in shelves and she would buy blank VHS tapes and record every single movie she could off TV and had these meticulous nicotine nicotine uh nicotine stain notebooks where she meticulously wrote out and cataloged her massive collection right that's how i saw most of the most important and favorite movies in my life and i'll never forget she told me once she goes dune by david lynch is my favorite movie and this was before I would be old enough to be like, Nana, what the fuck? Um, I just was like, awesome. That movie must kick the most ass. And to be fair, I really liked that movie. Uh, but that was her favorite movie. And I just remember going, why Dune? I had no idea what Dune was, right? right. And she goes, because every time I watch it, 
I find a new reason to fall in love with it. And it's something as a moviegoer that I think a lot of us are very cynical about and we forget. I know I did when I was in film school in like my early 20s. I was like, Absolutely. if I say fuck every other movie, it'll make me seem smarter and shit. Um, yep. And I, I forgot that lesson for many years. And Jaws definitely fits my Nana's edict of every time I watch it, man, I find a new reason to fall in love with it again. So I, I love this movie, man. I, I could talk movie. about this all day, every day with anyone. I, Again, I don't know if there's a best movie ever made. I'll this tell you for a fact, I've I've never seen one made better than Jaws. Like it's it's in whatever the fucking highest tier is, Jaws is in it. And if you disagree, I I will think less of you as a human being. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Uh. So apologies to Ted Cruz. Apologies to no, everyone else. No. No apologies to Ted Cruz. I meant apologies to you. I got confused oh. again. Apologies to you. Thank you. That's fine. <laughs> You are much more of a hooper than a I'll T be Cruz. your hooper Brody anytime. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, that's it, guys. What else can you say about Jaws? It's man? Jaws. It's amazing. Go watch it. Yeah, for God's it's sakes. not every week on the film Alchemist. You're like, we are tackling truly like one of the greatest movies ever. Uh, it's intense, man. So I hope some stuff we said was of interest to you. Uh, thank you guys for doing the journey with us, celebrating four years of the film Alchemist. Much more animal attacks to come. Awesome stuff on the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Pod. Guys, even a dollar a month is greatly appreciated. We're working hard to earn it over there, so go check that out. Patreon.com slash Pod. The YouTube is filmalchemist. The email is filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Find us on all the socials, share our stuff, leave those ratings and reviews. Most of all, just put the sign up. Close the fucking beach, guys. Just close the fucking put beach. that fucking sign up. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino.